Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're happy to welcome back John Pitney, who is one of our frequent guests here at Great Loop Radio. And John, as most of you who are regular listeners know, has provided a series of checklists and procedures to AGLCA members. And today, the topic we'll discuss is his getting underway checklist. So before we start with the topic at hand, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral Level sponsors. These are our businesses that support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. We are happy to include these businesses in our sponsor list, and we encourage all of our loopers out there um, to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. With the business finished, I would like to introduce you once again to John Pitney. John, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Kim. It's my pleasure. Hope I can uh, add something here today with checklists. Most definitely. And uh, just for those who maybe have not heard you on Great Loop Radio before, uh, John has provided these checklists. He designed them for you support aboard his boat, which is Satisfaction. And he very kindly provided these for AGLCA to provide to our members. So if you are a member, they can be found in the documents area on the website. And there is a folder in the documents section for checklists and procedures. We do want to remind everyone that these are provided in a Word document format. And that is by design. As I said, John wrote these for his boat and provided them in a way that they could be edited for your own boat. So rather than a more universal format like a PDF, uh, we do provide these as Word documents. And this topic in particular, I think, John, might need some modifications for each person's own boat. But we do want to go through them because I think your checklist is a great indicator of the types of things that people should think about as they're writing a checklist for getting underway on their own boat. So um, let's start with the engine room checks, John. Can you kind of walk us through what it looks like for you when you go and check the engine room before getting underway? Absolutely. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, the engine room checklist is probably the one I would go through first uh, when thinking about getting underway. Of course, uh, getting underway has a lot of definitions. You could be going out just for a little afternoon cruise, you could be going out a uh, inlet and taking an extended ocean trip up the coast or something. So there's a lot of variations. And some of the things on the checklist are meant for uh, when there's a long cruise ahead of us and some are not appropriate for that. So everyone has to kind of make their own decision. However, having them on the checklist is, I think, a, a real benefit because it frees you up from having to try to remember all these different things under different circumstances that you might want to do. So in the engine room, um, <clears throat> I probably start out just by going down and looking around and uh, making sure things are stored properly. Uh, sometimes I get involved in a project and I'll lay tools on top of the engine or something and forget about them and have to go back and make sure I double check that I haven't done that. So uh, just looking around, make sure things are stored. Engine, the tools are back in the toolbox. Uh, looking in the walkway, looking in some of the bilges. Um, 
any place that I might have laid something that it shouldn't be there. After that, uh, of course, checking engine oil level is important and coolant levels. Um, that should be uh, a routine, I, in my estimation, for anybody, no matter what type of trip you're going on. Certainly the engine oil level is a check that uh, you want to make on a daily basis. Um, <clears throat> sometimes I'll even remove the pressure cap to the coolant uh, reservoir tank and stick my finger down there and make sure there is, in fact, coolant there. I don't know if uh, I really trust the uh, overflow bottles that much, but uh, sometimes it's good an idea with when the engines are cool to remove that pressure cap and make sure it's tight and get it back on in a tight manner and, uh, and go from there. Um, <clears throat> I also look at my Raycor filters. I've replaced the T-handle on the top cover of those filters with a vacuum gauge, and I recommend that everybody uh, try to do this. Uh, they're readily available online. Uh, the vacuum gauge gives you a pretty good indication of when your Raycor filter needs to be replaced. Um, <clears throat> a lot of time we just replace it every 100 hours or whatever the spec might be, but uh, sometimes if you get a bad load of fuel, it's a good idea to have that gauge there because it will very quickly show you with a telltale pointer the, the uh, highest vacuum that uh, your system saw while underway that day. So I want to reset that telltale pointer to zero so that it once again will record the highest level of vacuum that I have. I want to look for water in the uh, uh, the bowl, the, the clear plastic bowl, or any sludge that might be in there uh, to see what's going on. Of course, having a good flashlight really makes that help me, or makes that a lot easier. <clears throat> in that same area on my particular boat, if I'm planning to anchor out that day, I want to make sure that the through-haul for the um, raw water washdown is open so I don't have to remember to do that uh, sometime when I'm trying to weigh anchor and uh, get the mud off the, the anchor. Uh, everything will be ready to go. Um, typically, I leave my fuel shutoff valves closed when we left the boat, so I recheck those, look at the crossover valve between tanks, make sure it's open. Um, I open up the sound shields for the generator and make sure that uh, I check the oil for the generator, look at the coolant level, and also check the belt tension. There's two belts on my generator, check them both just by giving them a little push make sure they haven't loosened up and that the belts are in decent condition. <clears throat> also, um, while in that part of the engine room, I'll check the generator seawater strainer. Uh, once again, by looking at the clear plastic uh, bowl. Uh, also check the strainers for the main engines. Uh, if I see considerable amount of debris in there, it, it, it warrants to go ahead and have those uh, to get those uh, clean, cleaned out before you open up any in your seacocks, of course. If they already are open, you have to shut those first. But uh, make sure your strainers are clean before you get going. Um, at that point, if they are, I'll open up all the, all the strainers, I mean all the seacocks on, on board. I normally keep those shut when we're not aboard for, for a lengthy period of time, so I just make it a habit to recheck them every time I'm down there, even though I've left them open perhaps overnight if we're doing daily cruising. 
Um, but I want to recheck them. It's also a good idea to keep those valves worked from time to time to make sure that they're easy to, to operate. Um, I have lights in the engine room that I keep on. I have a camera down there that uh, I can see on the flybridge on the chart plotter. So from time to time, I'll look uh, at that camera. And without lights, of course, I'm not seeing anything. So I keep some, some small lights on in there to give me some visibility. Certainly want to examine the bilges for any unusual liquid. Uh, my bilges are typically dry, so any liquid at all down there, I kind of want to uh, have an idea or try to find out where it's coming from. Any debris, any tools that might be down there, get those cleaned up. Um, I check the gauges on my Fireboy Halon cylinders. This is the automatic fire suppression system that many cruising boats have. And if you can see those gauges readily, it's a good idea to glance at them from time to time, make sure they're still pressurized. Um, my batteries, all of my batteries are fairly accessible in the engine room, so I'll spot check my house bank lead acid batteries to make sure that uh, they have a required amount of water in them. Or, uh, I also will check to make sure there's no leakage from the battery top or around the casing. Uh, since those tend to fail catastrophically, you just want to check them on a periodic basis. Well, my battery switches are on down in the engine room. I haven't turned anything off for maintenance. Uh, charger meters are showing the proper charge voltage. And uh, from around the steering gear in the aft part of the engine room, I want to look down there closely and uh, make sure there's no obstructions, no leakage. Uh, the rudder posts uh, should be dry. Um, just generally check around there in that area real well with the flashlight. <clears throat> and of course, checking the transmission fluid on my boat, we have ZF Marine uh, gears. Uh, they recommend that you do that with the engines at idle and the gear in neutral. So I have to wait until I get the engine started before I check the transmission oil. Uh, generally, I'll probably do that maybe every other day if we're cruising actively every day but uh, probably not something you need to do every single day. Um, so that's the basics. And one thing about doing these checks, the easier it is to get into your engine room, the more likely it is that you're going to do them. Um, I know there, my particular boat has aft cockpit design, and the access to the engine room is through the cockpit. So there's no furniture to move or rugs to take up or anything like that. So it's uh, pretty much a no-brainer for me to be able to get down there and, and look at these things. I realize other designs make it a little more uh, difficult to do, but I think it's important to do this kind of a check, particularly if the boat is set for a, a good period of time uh, since you last had it out. Oh, that's great advice, John, and I also think it's um, something to consider because we know that many people interested in the Great Loop do not yet have their looping boat. So certainly something to think about when you are looking at some of the boat options out there is how accessible that engine room is. John, how often do you go back and check the engine room while you're underway, and does the fact that you have a camera on the engine room change that at all? Well, the camera uh, is really only good for, you know, if I see smoke or fish swimming around down there or something. Uh, but uh, it's, it's not really 
high, dis high detailed enough to allow me to check uh, anything in a great amount of detail, but I would suspect that in a uh, cruise that lasts most of the day, I'll probably go down there every hour and a half to two hours and just walk around. And, uh, of course, I'm wearing uh, ear protectors when I do that, but uh, you're listening for un any unusual sounds. Uh, you're smelling any If you're smelling anything unusual or you see any kind of smoke or oil vapor, uh, you ought to be uh, investigating that looking for any drips or leaks from uh, hoses, uh, any unusual liquid in the bilge that it wasn't there when you took off, uh, particularly if you can see them easily, you look at your shaft seals. Um, sometimes uh, when we're, we're cruising for a number of days at a time, uh, I'll do temperature checks down there with an infrared gun. They're, they're fairly cheap at places like Harbor Freight and record those on a sheet that I've made up uh, and then compare them from time to time to see if I've got any uh, temperatures that are getting out of spec on, on different parts of the engine. Um, that could be a whole topic in itself and I'm probably not yeah, qualified sure. to do that. <laughs> right. There's well, so, a lot so of stuff just, available online. Mm -hmm. and, and what John just walked us uh, through is about is about 17 things that he checks and, and listening just to the audio um, that may or may not have seemed like a whole lot but that's probably a, a good reason why you should take a look at the printed version of this and adapt it to your own boat um, particularly I think if you have guests aboard or if, if you're cruising as a couple and it's one person that is more comfortable and more familiar with doing these getting underway checklists and we'll move on to some of the interior and helm station checks after this but um Having it written down prevents one person from having to repeatedly ask the other person, how do I do that again, or what am I checking, or what do I do next? Um, so I personally really appreciate having a checklist that says, you know, these are the steps to do as we're switching from shore power and, and things like that. So uh, these are really helpful. Um, we do need to take a quick break to play a message from one of our sponsors. We have two sections left to cover. Um, one is John's checklist for the interior and decks and one is for the helm station. I don't think we're going to have time to get to both. So while we're taking this quick break, we'll, we'll let John uh, ponder a little bit which he thinks is most important to do next, and then we'll, we'll cover the third portion either in a future episode, or you can, of course, take a look at that from the greatloop.org website. So we will be back in a moment. Northport Bay Boatyard is a complete marine service facility located on Grand Traverse Bay in Northport, Michigan. They feature over 85,000 square feet of heated storage and they are offering loopers a 10% discount on heated storage as well as a winter labor rate of $75. That's a $10 discount off their usual rate. For more information visit www.npbby.com or call 231-386-5151. Northport Bay Boatyard is a proud commander sponsor of AGLCA. We're back on Great Loop Radio. Today John Pitney is walking us through some checklists for getting underway. And as I said right before the break, John, I don't know that we're going to fit in both of the remaining sections. So we've got interior and deck checks and we've got helm station checks. Which do you think we should move on to cover today? Well, we can uh, concentrate on the interior and deck checks, if you'd like, today, uh, Kim. 
Okay, let's go ahead and do that. And, and as I said, we can do the Helm Station checks on another episode. And in the meantime, um, people who are members of AGLCA can go to the greatloop.org website and download that the, the full checklist, all three of these sections. But they can at least take a look at the Helm Section checks. So let's go ahead with the interior and deck checks. And I know when I'm out on the boat, the, these, the interior ones are more of my checks. <laughs> so this is a list that I love to have in front of me. Um, so go ahead with uh, walk us through your interior and deck checks list. Sure. Uh, certainly you want to know what your fuel and water tank levels are. Uh, fill them as required. Um, water tank probably more important on a day-to-day -day basis since your fuel, uh, hopefully you're not filling up that day to daily. Uh, if you have a dinghy, what kind of fuel level do you have on your dinghy? Um, I want to go ahead and get that filled up if you're planning some dinghy excursions. Do you need a pump out before leaving the marina? Are you going to be anchoring out and your tanks are almost full? You ought to be thinking about that before you get out. Uh, do you have the proper nautical charts aboard? Uh, we do carry paper charts. I know there's some folks who don't think they're any, uh, necessary anymore, but uh, some folks do, so make sure you have those charts. Is your chart water set up with software for the areas that you're going into? I noticed on the blog or the forum that some folks uh, got into Canada this year and realized that the Garmin chart potters they had didn't cover the areas that they were transiting. So that kind of information uh, you need to check before it uh, becomes a problem. Is your tablet navigation software updated? Have you downloaded the latest version of those charts? If you have Active Captain, have you downloaded uh, the latest database for Active Captain? One that uh, we did fairly religiously uh, when we ever we went offshore, and we did go to the Bahamas during our loop. Uh, whenever there was a chance that um, we might lose communication, either cell phone and or VHF communication, even just the slightest chance, we, we filed a float plan. And if you Google float plan, you'll find all kinds of examples. I think there's even one left over from when the Coast Guard used to take those. They don't anymore. But uh, pick one and fill it out and send it, email it to people that uh, you trust to know what to do if you don't show up at your next destination at the time that you think you're going to show up. Um, float plans can be invaluable in helping folks search for you if you've had some kind of breakdown and can't communicate easily uh, to someone that uh, you've had a problem. Uh, you'll describe your boat, it describes um, what equipment you have on board, what waypoints you may have gone through, uh, lots of information there and, and we, we did use them whenever we went offshore. In that same vein, a ditch bag, which is nothing more, and most of them are clear plastic uh, long bags that uh, you can roll up very tightly to keep water out, kept the ditch bag on the flybridge filled with things that um, we would want to take off the boat if we only had a couple of minutes to get off. And believe it or not, that is a scary scenario, but it is possible to happen if you have a fire on board and you need to jump in the water real quick, uh, if you have a ditch bag with you, you can have lots of the things that you might need uh, off the boat and uh, with you in, in a waterproof container. Um, in the abandoned ship 
checklist, which is also on the uh, website, there is a list of things that you might want to consider to put into your ditch bag. Uh, you can buy those at almost any big box uh, sporting goods store. People use them on canoe trips and all kinds of things where things might get wet. So it's real easy to set up. Uh, we open up the flybridge curtains, of course. Uh, that's pretty you know, unique to our boat. If you don't have a flybridge curtains, you don't have a flybridge, no problem. Make sure your sunblock, sunglasses, bug repellent, all that, that kind of stuff is up there. If you have guests on board, this is a good time to give them an orientation. We talk to them about life jackets, extinguishers, their locations, man overboard, what they should do. Uh, personal safety, you know, one hand for the person, one hand for, the, for your task at hand, uh, how to use the heads, all these kind of things should be discussed prior to getting underway. Of course, disconnect any TV connections you might have with the dock. Um, we turn off unnecessary AC loads prior to uh, securing shore power. Uh, we secure loose items around the boat, uh, particularly on our boat. We have no uh, built-in way of securing the freezer and refrigerator doors, so we put a little Velcro strap around them and keeps those doors shut. Uh, you need to position your fenders, your lines, your dock poles where you might need them while you're uh, undocking. And uh, this may be as simple as, um, you know, putting an extra fender on the bow or whatever. You may want to double up some of your lines if there's no one help around to help you get away from the dock. And that simply involves putting the eye of the line on a cleat on the boat and then running the line around the cleat, just one turn around the cleat like you might in a, a, a dock wall, and then back to the boat. And that allows the person on the boat the deckhand on the boat to um, remove that line without having to be on the dock and then perhaps the last minute jump on the boat. So those kind of things you need to take uh, care of beforehand. Um, we always test the windlass, uh, just give the switch a little bump, make sure it's still operating. Um, unlock the, the uh, chain keeper, the road keeper on the, on the windlass and make sure that our anchor harness, our rope anchor harness is on board. Um, install the bow cushions, windshield covers, if you wanna put them on or take them off, whatever makes sense for that particular day's weather. Uh, decide what to do with your port lights. Do you need the ventilation? Is it gonna be calm? Uh, leave them open or make sure they're shut and dogged down tightly. Um, Decide on a departure plan. How are you going to get away from the dock? Is the wind blowing you strongly against the dock or is the tide trying to move you fore and aft or against the dock or away from it? Got to think about these things before you uh, take off and communicate your plan to get away from the dock to all the folks who are going to working, be working the deck lines for you. Normally your your spouse or your, <laughs> the admiral, whoever, whatever you want to caller, uh, but she is going to be uh, wanting to work in concert with the captain to make sure that everybody's on the same page in terms of what, what's going to happen when you get away from the dock. Um, decide on checking the weather for the last time. Make sure there's no 
yeah, thunderstorms that have cropped up uh, very quickly. Um, uh, we also have a NOAA weather radio that we keep on as kind of a backup in case, uh, particularly here in the Midwest, if we have pop-up thunderstorms or, heaven forbid, tornadoes pop up, we want to know about it immediately. Check for items that you may have left on the dock. If you're leaving that dock permanently, <clears throat> you're going to want to make sure that uh, you've gotten all your hoses, your dock chairs, your lines, uh, mats, anything you may have put out there and just kind of forgotten about, make sure they get back on the boat. If you have dock boxes that you'll be coming back to, make sure they're locked up. Uh, if you're leaving your hoses and stuff and coming back to the dock, depressurize your hose, make sure it's put away. Um, uh, make sure to bring it, of course, if, if uh, you're not coming back. And uh, if we are going to be using air conditioning or the bow thruster a lot, we typically will start the generator and uh, have it online when we leave the dock. That alleviates any problem with uh, particularly the bow thruster, um, uh, you know, drawing down the bow thruster batteries if you have to use it uh, quite a bit. We set our inverter to invert so that uh, even without the generator running, it will uh, supply power to our uh, AC uh, refrigerator and freezers. We also turn off the shore power breaker at that time. Uh, make sure that uh, uh, you get the cable reeled in or picked up and coiled up and put away safely. Uh, secure the cover to any shore power connections you might have on the boat. But basically, that's, uh, that's a rundown of things we might do 30 to 45 minutes prior to getting underway. Um, helm station checks. A lot of these things are being done simultaneously by different people. And some of the things we're not doing at all because we're not, you know, it's not that kind of a day's cruise. But at least they're, they're down there on paper and we can real quickly glance at them and, and remind us if uh, something has slipped our mind. So the helm yeah, station that's, that's check, we have run that a different time. Yep, we can definitely go through the helm station checklist another time. Um, we'll combine that maybe with one of the other topics that, that won't take that long. Um, but definitely, for we know we have some listeners who are somewhat new to boating or at least new to the idea of the Great Loop and have you know perhaps not done long-distance cruising like this before. So I think these checklists are extremely helpful. They certainly make it uh, much more smooth for your departure from the dock if you prepare in advance and know what types of things you're checking. So, John, thank you for sharing this great information once again. My pleasure, Kim. Thank you. Yeah. If anyone who's listening um, does not know where to find these, AGLCA members can find this Getting Underway checklist as well as other checklists and procedures that John has provided. They are on the greatloop.org website in the documents area, a folder called Checklists and Procedures. And just a reminder that these are John's procedures. Every captain needs to determine what his or her own procedures should be and adapt as such. Um, and for those of you who perhaps are not members, of course, consider joining us. But if you've enjoyed what John had to say, there are several more episodes of our podcast that we've recorded over the past year or two that feature John and some other checklists. So just look for those in the archives in our, um, again, greatloop.org website. 
the uh, documents area. There's also a public area for that. And the Great Loop podcast folder includes an archive, and, and all of those are open to the public. You can also find us by searching for AGLCA on your favorite podcast app, which um, if you're listening today, you probably have already figured that out. But just wanted to tell you where all the resources are and what's available to you. Thank you once again to John Pitney, Gold Looper, for joining us and sharing this information today. And thank you to our listeners. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising. <laughs>